Welcome to another episode of Nipi Story. This fortnightly podcast brings you audio versions of short stories from Kenya and across our African continent. I'm your host, Kevin Mwachiro. And on this episode, we welcome back Lutivini Majanja with her story, Boots on the Ground. When Morgan Mogula's father returned from his peacekeeping in Croatia, he brought him combat boots, avunjas. All cool people own avunjas, which they lace up to their shins and stomp in everywhere. Morgan strode into school with his brand new avunjas, shy and dull as always, but bouncing because everyone was staring at Morgan and his shiny black avunjas for once. Morgan is neither a chop nor a blot. He's somewhere in the middle. Morgan doesn't get into trouble. Morgan, who plays football or chobo mob, or whatever other games boys in his class are playing at break time. Morgan, whose school uniform is always ironed, not like Karim, the class ruffian. Karim's shorts are tight and too short. His parents keep promising to buy him a new pair, and people tease him for coming to school in hot pants. Teachers don't say anything because they know Karim's parents won't buy him new shorts just yet. Anonymous well-wishers pay Karim and quiet Juliet's school fees. After that first day with brand new Avunjas, Morgan rarely wears them. But everyone knows Morgan owns Avunjas. And they can never get Avunjas like his because their fathers didn't go to Croatia like Morgan's father. Morgan's deskmate is Fidelis, whose father is the pastor of a church where the president likes to visit on Sundays, when everyone sees the president in the news singing, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. And then Fidelis's father preaches. When Fidelis's father comes to school on Parents' Day, they all stare at him because it is as if he has come out of the TV but without his flowing robe, which they think he wears every day. And he is someone who greets the president. They ask Fidelis if she has ever met the president, and she says, yes. They respect her, because she is so humble as a pastor's daughter. Morgan and Fidelis get along sharing rulers, pencils, and textbooks. Morgan brings Fidelis a pretty writing pad with pink flowers all around the edges of each leaf. It's the type his big sister buys when going to boarding school every beginning of term. Morgan never writes to Fidelis. Mm, not his thing. But Fidelis admires Morgan's neat handwriting and it doesn't matter that he's not a chop. She is kind of a chop. But not in all subjects. She's a teacher's pet, but not a teller-teach. It's because she's a pastor's daughter, and see how humble she is. Tanya's been wearing shorts under her dress since Standard 5. It's two years since, because boys will stand next to girls at assembly and throw mirrors under their feet so that they can spy on them. Tanya is afraid of being spied on, even in class. Tanya knows that her deskmate, Davis, is the type to try and spy on her, but she hasn't caught him red-handed yet. Tanya wants a new deskmate. 
She's always annoyed with Davis, who is so untidy. Davis often turns behind to talk to Ben, who is his best friend. They are noisemakers. Morgan goes home with all the military children who are picked up by green lorry or land rovers driven by soldiers in jungle uniforms, green berets and afunjas. Their vehicles have special number plates. The military children are the ones who say to each other, Our drivers come! Our drivers come! And the driver will take us there! They risk playing far away from home time benches where all students are supposed to wait for their transport home because their drivers will never leave them. Other schoolmates are collected in that embarrassing Bukinya bus. They are mocked for entering or alighting from that bus. It's so, so shady. Even schoolmates who walk long distances home laugh at Bukinya bus riders. It's jealous laughter. The walkers are regularly getting punished for being latecomers. Nobody knows that Salome's father is an important government man until the day a sleek Mercedes marked with government license plates arrives to pick her up from school. Children run to the gate thinking it's the president. But it's just Salome's father's driver. Salome is Karim's deskmate. What a contrast. Davis, Tanya, and Karim ride matatus but in different directions. A relief for Tanya. Karim doesn't always have bus fare, but Mr. Gishiro pays bus fare whenever they meet at the bus stop. They don't live too far from each other. Karim hates this. Other times, Karim rides home with a standard four boy whose father knows Karim's family. Fidelis walks home with Wakonyo, who is her best friend because they've always walked home together. They live close to school. They aren't alike. Wakonyo doesn't like her name because ever since she was in nursery school, people have teased her for it. There's even a teacher who said it's a funny name. Wakonyo was reputed to be rowdy, but she settled down now. The teachers say so. They praise her. Some classmates whisper that Wakonyo has been darwad, and others, like Fidelis, don't even know what daraing is. Anyway, nobody will talk about daraing near Fidelis, the pastor's daughter. Wakonyo got saved and wishes to be baptized with a normal Christian name like many of her classmates. She wants a Bible name like Hadasha, which is better than Esther. And anyway, there's an Esther in her class. Even if she gets a name like Deborah, she'd like to have a different spelling like Devorah, so that it is unique, but still a normal name. Wakonyo goes by Connie these days. It's a clever twist, derived from that name that is on all her records. The name her teachers call her, the only name her parents gave her, when all her peers have at least two other names, which she doesn't like. Wakonyo. Wakonyo has stopped watching Maharabat since she got saved because it is against her Christian beliefs, which she takes seriously. She used to like Maharabat very much, but she's dedicated her life to Jesus now. The problem is that Wakonyo's big sister isn't saved, and Wakonyo's sister watches Maharabat, so Wakonyo sees it 
by mistake sometimes she doesn't judge her sister because she knows what it's like to be judged she's not you know jesus after all wakonyo's parents never go to church they don't even feel ashamed fidelis whose father is a pastor of a church the president likes to visit gives morgan parsitons and handmade bookmarks with bible verses he keeps the parsitons and bookmarks between the crisp clean pages of his good news bible he only ever read it for the CRE classes. These days, even at CRE, they concentrate on test papers and exam revision encyclopedias more than anything. That's their only hope for going to good high schools. Morgan has no need to take his Bible out of his desk unless to add Pasitons or bookmarks from Fidelis. Sometimes Morgan and Fidelis talk about Maharabat, which he watches religiously which Fidelis does not because one can't watch such things in a pastor's house. That would be a wrong testimony. Morgan understands. When Wakonyo and Fidelis walk home, Fidelis talks about Wild Rose, which they are both allowed to watch. They both like it when Mr. Mbache brings radio lessons and they get away with reading pace-set novels while the radio plays because he never checks their notes. When Fidelis borrows books from the school library, she checks the synopsis to see if it is safe to take them home. At home, she reads Elizabeth Gale, Grace Livingstone Hill novels, and all the Bible storybooks, which are good Christian books, which they buy at Keswick and Scripture Union. She reads the books which aren't safe for home during Mr. Mbache's radio lessons. Fidelis is also allowed to read English classics. The books at Wakonyo's houses are arranged in two places. There are books on display and the books that Baba suddenly hid away without explaining. Wakonyo knows where they are. Baba went away for a long time but um, he came back. When Baba travels, he is always traveling. And when Mama is out with friends, she sneaks into the wardrobe and takes a peek. They don't make um, much sense but she keeps going back and reading them. She feels conflicted about it, now that she's saved, but she won't stop. On Saturdays, when they go to school for remedial classes, almost everyone rides matatus or goes walking. On Saturdays, Salome is the only one who arrives by car, but that's understandable. Salome can be kidnapped for ransom if she's not careful. School buses and the military cars aren't available on Saturday. Morgan wears his avunjas to school but takes them off when he reaches the gate because he doesn't want them to be confiscated. But before getting to school, Morgan meets Fidelis at the shopping center near the school and they walk together with Wakonyo, who knows she's a third wheel. But she's there anyway and they can't ignore her. It doesn't bother Fidelis that Morgan isn't saved the way it bothers Wakonyo. But Wakonyo's new at being a Christian, and Fidelis knows everything about being a Christian. Wakonyo became a Christian from praying with the TV, but Fidelis goes to those churches where they sing boring hymns. Saturday classes are fun because Mr. Mbacha, who teaches business, art, craft, and music, likes to discuss football when he doesn't have new cassettes for radio lessons. Everyone, especially Davis, gets animated. Davis's entire family like football just as much as Mr. Mbacha does. 
And so David says all the right things and even has stories to contribute to Mr. Mbatia's class. The problem is that it's not useful being a chop in Mr. Mbatia's subjects. Business, art and craft and music exams are marked out of 30 instead of 100. Anyone can pass those exams without studying unless they are a blot. Morgan says the good thing about watching Maharabhat is that if he gets stuck in the CRE exams, he can look at the Hindu students' HRE multiple choice questions, which everyone knows have the same answers as the CRE and IRE exams because they are all marked by computers. People think Karim has an advantage in CRE because even though the school doesn't offer Islamic lessons, he can refer to the IRE questions in the final exams. Karim's never gone to school in a kanzu like Mr. Abdul, who was their class teacher in Standard 4. Karim's not a Muslim. He was just named after a famous basketballer. Fidelis envies anyone who watches Maharabad. But uh, she's a CRE chop anyway. This won't matter for her. Tanya sits with her best friend Sharon on Saturdays because teachers don't mind students exchanging seats on Saturdays. It allows them to see who's um, influencing who. Fidelis sits with Wakonya and then Karim and Morgan sit together. Most Saturdays they do more mathematics, science and Kiswahili because those are the students' main areas of weakness. Mrs. Odede calls them spoiled Nairobians just because they were hospital-born. Rich people's babies, Mrs. Odede. Salome's parents make her read Taifa Leo and do crosswords. She's improved a little. Davis isn't badly off, which is surprising because he's struggling in all the other subjects. Mumboa, who speaks Kiswahili with a Mombasa accent, where she lived until Standard 5, is always chosen to do shairi recitals on Parents' Day and inter-school music festival. She's an all-round chop. Mrs. Odede reminds them to watch the 7 o'clock Kiswahili news as they rush out at the end of a class, the last one this Saturday. Out of the school, they walk in groups. Fidelis and Morgan, in his avunjas, hold hands and then let go when people make kissing sounds. At the shopping center, the students crowd around two shops, which sell sweets, sodas, and chips. Only Davis and Salome can afford to buy chips. They linger or malinger or walk fast or slowly in three different directions. Fidelis saying bye to Morgan because she lives close by. Morgan and the others rush home to watch Maharabat at 2.30 p.m. He might miss it as he does whenever the wait at the bus stop is longer than expected. When Morgan and Fidelis have gone away, Brenda, who sits at the back of the class because she's the tallest girl, says that she saw Morgan and Fidelis darying. Everyone knows that Brenda is a mbenye and she shouldn't be believed. But there's a chance that Brenda is telling the truth. At Monday's school break time, while people talk about Maharabato play football and the usual people who like Quiet Juliet, who don't have snacks for break, are going around asking, Gesh, please. Tanya tells Wakonya what she had about Fidelis and Morgan. Wakonya says it can't be true. 
Wakonyo confronts Brenda because she knows what it's like to have a story spreading about you when it's untrue. Brenda says, Hakia Mungu, it's true, adding, I swear to God and shame the devil, while crossing her heart. At home time, Wakonyo rushes Fidelis out of school. Anyway, the military car has already arrived and the uniformed driver is standing at the parking lot telling all the military children to hurry up. A safe distance away, Wakonyo tells Fidelis what Brenda said. Fidelis doesn't even know what darahing is until now. She goes home and cries in her bedroom. She has her own bedroom. On Tuesday, Fidelis moves her chair as far away as it can be from her deskmate. She refuses to share her stationery and does not talk to him. <sighs> she can't avoid sharing the textbooks. From Karim, Morgan learns what Brenda said. Morgan's face doesn't show how angry he is. Morgan has a boring face, which never shows feelings, except that first day when he wore avunjas and everyone was looking at him. Morgan waits for Saturday, when he will wear his avunjas after school. After class, he finds Brenda at the shops and kicks her with such force that classmates have to step in and hold him back. But not before Brenda, who is bigger than Morgan, has grabbed his tie and clasped it so tight that he might choke. Shop attendants march them back to school but only find the watchman. They leave, ensuring that Brenda and Morgan go home separately. By the next morning, everyone's taken sides. That's why when Morgan disembarks from the military vehicle, there's cheering and booing. Fidelis has taken back her parsitons and bookmarks from his neglected Bible. Brenda limps, and nobody will say she's exaggerating. They all think so. Brenda is not only Ambenye, she's an Oboho. She can just flash that wanted symbol with her two thumbs and index fingers to threaten anyone. In class, Mr. Gishere moves Morgan to sit with Tanya, while Davis is told to sit with Fidelis. Tanya is happy but tries to hide it. Davis will miss sitting in front of Ben. The reputation of Fidelis, whose father is a pastor, has not been soured. Wakonyo thanks God for the peaceful resolution, while Morgan sulks. His father's taken away his avunjas, and nobody noticed that he used a move that he'd seen in Maharabat. He cannot boast about it. Boots on the Ground was written by Lutivini Majanja and was first published in the online literary magazine Atlas and Alice. Lutivini Majanja is a writer from Nairobi, Kenya. This is her third contribution to Nipe Story, with Moriot and Sirens being the other two short stories. Moriot was one of the first stories that we featured here on Nipe. Lutivini was recently featured in Adi Magazine, Obsidian, and The Takeout. Links to her fiction and non-fiction can be found on our website, lutivini.com. Nipe Story is available to download on AfriPods, the platform for African podcasts, and also wherever you get your podcasts from. Please review and rate the podcast and tell your networks about Nipe Story. You can follow us here on SoundCloud, on Facebook, we are Nipe Story. On Twitter, our handle is Nipe underscore story. 
Nipe Story is a finger piano production.